Isaac? What's going on, Ryan? Oh, not too much. How about you? Uh, not much over here. <laughs> yeah, you you uh you live in some interesting times. Yeah, we all do. We all do. Yeah. Uh, so are you uh are you on Trump's new social network? Um, not yet. <laughs> How much do you know about it? I know a little. Yeah, I know he's got like a, a web page. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that it's not actually a social network at yeah. all. It's just a blog. It's a one web. Yeah, it's a one yeah. web. Yeah. Which is very Trump. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, he's put in an interesting position, um, objectively. Like, I mean, he really, he, he fucked himself. I mean, he really tested those waters. And so, like, he's paying the price. Uh, I think we'll probably have some, I think it will reverberate into interesting uh, conversations for regular people very soon. And so that's why I, I'm interested in this. Yeah. Not necessarily because of the man, but because of the issue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He, he definitely did put himself in this position oh, and it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's still a fairly rosy position. Uh, so we'll just have to see how, uh, how <laughs> the many, many criminal investigations that are ongoing develop. Hey, that's all fine. He's still got to have freedom of speech. That's where I'm at with it. Well, what does freedom of speech mean, though? Uh, when you have a platform, when you have, when you have a lack of access to platforms that have the kind of reach that Facebook and Twitter and all these other entities have, you are limiting someone's speech. No one is, they literally won't let him on the application. Okay. And so how are people supposed to hear his message? Well, through a blog. What it? What is? What is Facebook? <laughs> That's a good question. Facebook is a service, and he violated the terms of service. Therefore, he has no right to use the platform. So, do we apply that to all businesses that we violate their terms of service, especially when it's one that is essential to being an American? I mean that that is there are definitely elements of it that are. Um, in the very early stages of figuring out as a society. <laughs> yeah, it's highly problematic. Yeah, but but at the same time, like, this is not a free speech issue. He has just as much freedom of speech as he, has, as, as he has ever had. Mm. He just doesn't have the privilege of using, you know, a number of platforms because of what he did with those platforms. And that is absolutely their right to do that. I don't know if there is, and that's why there's the debate. You don't know if there is what? I don't know if that is a right that companies have, and that's why there's the debate. So companies don't have a right to control how people use their service? When it butts against other rights, like your intrinsic rights as an American, but, but yes, it, they cannot butt against that. It, but it doesn't. <laughs> it does, though. No, it doesn't, because— He literally can't use the platform to speak. Yeah, he can't use the platform. That has nothing to do with his ability to express himself. It just has to do with the ability to use that platform to do it. Nothing Facebook does can infringe on your First Amendment rights. It does. And it, it does because you cannot effectively reach an audience. You that, cannot that, reach, is, that, is you cannot, that is a completely separate issue. That is not a separate issue. Because how many, how many companies are there out there? How many, how many utilities are out there that give that kind of voice to someone? Three. <laughs> and all three of them abandon. Yes. That is limiting someone's rights. No, it's not. How is he supposed to get his message out? 
That's not our concern. That is our concern because <laughs> that can be any of us. No, because <laughs> so again, when, again, when these companies start making all these rules on how you can speak, which is what's happening, how are you supposed to speak? You're supposed to speak any the way other way. You, the way that they tell you to? No. That's yes. <laughs> that's what it is. They're telling you you can only speak a certain way. And if you don't speak that way, you are violating their terms of service and they will take you off and they'll limit your reach is completely limited. Yes. You you are not you don't have a constitutional right to reach. You have a constitutional right to express yourself. That the constitution doesn't guarantee you any particular vehicle or method for expressing yourself. Oh. It guarantees you the ability to express yourself without being arrested by the government. Okay, so let's so you're going to apply that to every single form of free speech? How about protests? Protests are a form of speech. Okay. Now, and what if they tell you that you can't do it in downtown unless you have a permit, which, the, which is what they do. Who, who is telling which you that? Which is what they do. The government. Now, yes, the government is infringing on your free speech rights in that case because the government is the only entity that can infringe on your First Amendment rights. No, they can't. That's why we have an agreement, which is called the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. They cannot infringe on certain rights, which is what companies are doing as well. But that's... Y- you're... It's the same. It's the same thing. It one hundred percent is not because again, the First Amendment only applies to the government. It's an agreement between the government and its citizenry. It's not an agreement at all. That is it, an agreement. That's it, what it was. It's a, it a. It's a document that was ratified. It's. It is a law that applies to the government. The government cannot do these things. That is what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are. And so they're also supposed to protect those rights, which is what they don't do. But the entire purpose is to protect those rights from the government. It goes both ways. The government is supposed to make sure that certain rights stay in place because that is what the that's what democracy has agreed to. And now they're supposed to enforce that. That's why we have laws in the books. And that's why we have police. We have governments. We have law. We have lawyers. We have judges that Lo- make sure that these things stay in place. But law, laws are different from the Constitution. No, that is a law. <laughs> the, const, the Constitution is the Constitution. The Constitution is a law. And laws... It's a law of the land, as they call it. <laughs> okay. Right. So, but that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that the government, due to the First Amendment, is obligated to protect your right to use a platform. Yes, it is. No, it doesn't. It, it, that is not how the Constitution has ever Tell worked. Me how it works. The, exactly the way I told you. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights are a set of laws that the government cannot violate. The government cannot restrict your freedom of speech. And they're all supposed to protect that. What's that? And they're all supposed to protect it, correct? From private companies? From anybody. No. They're so supposed you're to protect that private it. Companies, you're telling me that private companies can operate on our land in this country taking our tax dollars and violate our rights because they're a private company they always have because because it's only your right from the government that is not okay you are literally arguing for these companies i'm not arguing for them i'm not arguing for any company against any company i'm saying that is what the constitution is okay the constitution protects you from acts of government and they're not supposed to protect you from companies? 
Is that what you're telling me? That is not what the Constitution does. What about the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights is part of the Constitution. And then what about the laws of the land? Those are separate from the Constitution. So we don't have any protections whatsoever from these companies doing whatever the, that they want. From the, con- from the Constitution, no. All right. So explain to me why it's okay that a company can literally violate your right in the Bill of Rights, and that's okay. Because the companies are not the government. Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm not, I'm not making any value judgment on this. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the ideal uh, state of play. But oh, no, I feel like you're enjoying it, bro. <laughs> I, I do. I feel like you're enjoying it because you're you're making the argument for the companies to violate I'm not uh, arguing, citizens' rights. I'm not arguing for the companies, and the companies aren't violating our rights granted by the Constitution because they literally cannot. Companies can and do restrict the speech of employees all the time, and that is perfectly legal. Mm. Uh, that's questionable. Because there's things that they can't do. They can't discriminate because they're a private company, which is what they do. Because there are laws in place that prohibit them from doing that. Mm. All right. So, what laws are not being violated? Or what laws are, would you say there are no laws that are being violated when it comes to what's happening with Trump then? Uh, with him being kicked off the the social media platforms? Yeah. I'm not an expert, but I don't think there are. So you think it's perfectly fine that a citizen cannot reach anyone unless they have like a little web page? And you have to hope to God that people will find you in some way? Well, what? <laughs> well, first off, if people want to find Trump... They that's have not, no problems with that. But no, uh, again, what, what, what law guarantees people the ability to reach a large audience? What law is being violated if aren't Facebook there, bans someone from their platform? Aren't there rights with like the FTC and the FCC? What, what kind of laws? I don't have to look them up. It's part of why I, I mean, it, it's possible that that's true, but you know that, but you have to make the case. Mm. Excuse me. You know, Trump is allowed to speak. The government cannot do anything to stop him from expressing himself. But no one is obligated to provide him a platform to do that. Would you say that these social media companies are important? A case can definitely be made. Okay. (laughs) Um, no, I mean, they definitely, um, that is how, that is the easiest way to reach a wide audience. Um, and that is there, there are definitely arguments. I haven't necessarily given a a ton of, like, I, I haven't entirely made up my mind where I stand on it, but, um, like there, there is, there are arguments that, uh, things like Twitter and Facebook should be utilities. Yeah, essentially. Yes. Although, that that put that opens up other possible issues. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, would you say it's any different in the way that they perform? Actually, yeah. What would you do if AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile took you off because they didn't like the conversations that you were having? Um, well, I mean, there there are um 
that I think would would bump up against like privacy laws. Like I don't know that they have any right to any legal ability to know what conversations I'm having. Oh, they do. Nice. What's that? They do. They do, or the T or not TSA, um, <laughs> NSA does. The NSA does, and these phone companies do. Okay, everything's recorded. So, are are the conversations that I'm having explicitly violating the terms of service that I agree to when I use their services? Probably not. Okay. Well, then I would say I have a pretty good case. All right. So, what's different in talking to a phone and communicating with people and talking on social media? Um, intrinsically, nothing really. I think that's the point. That's why it needs to be regulated as a utility because it's an important tool that we have in our society. Well, and and there are um, certainly there are a lot of issues where something that um that like free market advocates and you know kind of conservatives more broadly um have an issue of attributing things to the free market and completely ignoring the uh the massive contributions of government so you know comcast cox roadrunner all these different um companies own the copper lines that that our internet runs on um but what why do they why do they have the the ownership rights of those in the first place because a lot of them if i'm if i'm correct and i i could be wrong but i think a lot of the lines were initially laid by um by like government utility companies in the first place yeah and uh, like we live in Tacoma and that has its own um internet as a utility the same way people get their their electricity their it's the most wired city in the country is it yeah that's that's yeah. somewhat disappointing yeah um <laughs> check it out. yeah google it you can check it out it, that, they ran with that for decades it's mm-hmm. the most wired city in the country but yeah no 100 percent. no go ahead i'm sorry continue well I, I guess that was mainly my point is that um like the phones, landlines anyway. Oh, I apologize. There's a point I wanted to bring up. Oh, um, go ahead. That. Um, and yeah, you're 100% correct um, in that they, which I think is the most maddening part, they these companies were given tax incentives, huge tax incentives over decades. And what they were supposed to do was supposed to build out the network so that we have internet across the country. But they used that to buy back their stocks and but you know pray excuse me to build out you know little portions of their their network which is shameful and they've gotten tens of billions of dollars and what 60 percent of the country is still without fast internet access yeah people still are literally dealing with like 56k and well and there there are also parts of the country where like you just cannot access the internet except like through satellite maybe yeah, maybe Through SpaceX. You know, SpaceX got them satellites out now. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you, Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to talk about there. Definitely, uh, definitely. The utilitization of of the internet, but also of you know potentially of platforms. So, like, I I don't know if um if I would necessarily be in favor of 
nationalizing Twitter, for example. Um, just because they're, they're, I don't know that there, there are complications. Yes, I agree. <clears throat> so that's why there needs to be some kind of balance because you can't have a platform take you off because they don't like what you say. It's terrible. That's terrifying. Especially one that powerful. Well, it's not, it's not because he said <clears throat> things that they didn't like. It's because he, you know, he pretty explicitly violated basic terms of service, like not calling for violence. Mm. Did they ever find that he did that? Or I, I don't think they did. But who, who? I don't think anybody did. There's, there's a lot that points his direction, but. I, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to ask them. Yeah. Um, and there, there is. That's, that's that's what I mean. I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's it's really murky when you start doing that. Yeah. Because I mean, he, Trump is, he's really careful with his words. Obviously, he's been. He knows how to use his words. Um, uh, to an extent, but it's a stretch to, to say that he's careful with his words. Let me let me let me. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Now I'm not careful with my words. <laughs> I'd be very careful with my words with this. That man knows how to use certain language to keep himself out of trouble when it comes to that kind of shit. It's it's what he's built his entire career on. Absolutely. And and doing things that are in some cases just comically illegal, but still finding some way to like skirt. Yeah. Actual like. Provable criminal behavior. And that's that that is the big the big part of it is like there are so many things he's done that are obviously illegal, but. They, like can't necessarily be proven to be so. Yeah, I, he skirts in that gray all day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was listening to a book, just a little side point. Uh, it's called Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshana Zuboff. It's really interesting, actually. It's talking about like the whole like. Actually, I guess it would tie in. It's talking about like a lot of these tech companies and how like they are profiting off of like what's called human futures and behaviors and stuff like that, trying to predict all that stuff. But, um. It was, it's kind of interesting listening to them uh, kind of dissect that in that uh, what are oh, you looking at the Constitution now, huh? You want to see if we have these rights? <laughs> Actually, Con- go ahead. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Right. That is the entire text of the First Amendment. And the first words are critical there. Congress shall make no law. Okay. That is what the First Amendment, that's what basically all the amendments mm-hmm. are. It, they are restrictions on what laws can be passed. Yeah, and I think we're, again, we're arguing from the same, we're arguing the same thing just from different perspectives. But what I'm saying is that they also have to protect those rights so they can make laws that make sure that companies don't do the fuck shit that we keep on talking about. These companies can't just, like, well, violate well, the amendments well, companies con- literally cannot violate the amendments. That, it, yes, they can. No, they can't. <laughs> they the can government abridge. can violate the they amendments. Can, we cannot have institutions that violate our rights. They cannot but they, operate they on our They are not rights that are guaranteed in the Constitution. They are. 
that literally is proving Congress the shall yes, make no law. They will make no laws that infringe on those things that you're talking about. So when somebody does infringe, they have to protect those rights. So they make laws to make sure that those rights aren't infringed on. It but goes but again, ways. that is that is separate from the Constitution. If a law protected you from getting kicked off Facebook, that would be one thing. Yes. Facebook literally cannot violate the First Amendment. Yes, they they can. That's what is happening. Is Facebook Congress? Congress. Is Facebook no. Congress? Only Congress is restricted from doing anything by the First Amendment. That's not how that works. You're looking. You're looking at it from half. You're only looking at half of it. Congress what also. You, Congress, no, what, what you're talking about is the spirit of free speech. No, that that is, and that is what laws that that protect our speech from companies would be in furtherance of. They, companies, Congress is supposed to protect your rights. Congress m- makes laws that protect your rights. When your rights are violated, they have to make sure that that is rectified, correct? Yes, but those rights have to exist in the first place. Okay, so you're telling me that the First Amendment right exists, correct? Yes. All right. Now, when you have that existing and someone is violating that, what system do we have that protects that? We have a court system. The court system is supposed to protect your rights. Now, if something like a company is violating those things, they don't make a law. Congress doesn't make a law to infringe your rights. They are to also protect it. And that is what I'm talking about. And this what we're talking about is when companies are violating rights, Congress, regardless of what is or isn't on the books, if your rights are being violated, it is a responsibility for them to protect that. That is the agreement that they have with the states. So what guarantees your right to freedom of speech on Facebook? And if you say the First Amendment, I am quitting the show. <laughs> First Amendment. Press the face bar. Let's go. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what what is. That's what we're talking about. What you're trying to advocate for is that there is no protections for anybody when you're on these platforms and that these companies can do whatever the fuck that they want. What I'm saying is that the First Amendment doesn't guarantee you jack shit on Facebook or Twitter. Or newspapers. Newspapers are the press and they can't be... Like, the government can't, like, shut newspapers down or stop them. I mean, they can, obviously, if there are, like, you know, national security issues or, or things like that. But, like, newspapers are protected from the government by the First Amendment. So, this is what I was going to get to back when I was talking before you looked up the amendments. A lot of these people, particularly like Trump, companies like Google and Amazon, a lot of these big companies, a lot of these people, what they do is they will purposely violate your rights to see how far they can take it. And I believe they call that an incursion. That's what this book was talking about. They will go through and fuck your rights and see how far they can take it. And that is what's happening. 
your rights are being violated. You have a right to speak, especially when everybody else is speaking the same way, and you get that taken away from you. How are you supposed to? You don't have a right. Your rights are gone if you cannot have the same rights that everybody else does. Everybody else. Facebook is not a right. That it is, and that's the argument that's being made. You cannot communicate effectively with a large audience without those utilities. That is plain and simple what it is. That's the world that we live in. Unless we have rules in place, which we know we don't when it comes to monopolies, which we have a serious problem with, we have to regulate these companies because there is no other effective means of being able to communicate with a large audience and someone's rights are infringed upon. Now, if the government is going to protect that, you have citizens that literally cannot speak to get their voice out. And then that just gets in a whole nother mire of issues when we talk about like algorithms and all that other crap, like how they suppress certain speech, certain things don't bubble up, et cetera, et cetera. It becomes extremely subjective. None of that's regulated. And so that's what I'm getting at. They are violating your rights. And they do. What rights? Yes, they are violating your rights. What rights? All right. <laughs> we got to move on. Okay. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's table that a little bit. <laughs> so what I wanted to talk about today, <laughs> give me a second. Um, and it does tie in a bit because what we're talking about is essentially how people gain knowledge of specifically science and politics. Mm-hmm. Um, because those are things that have serious implications in our lives and most people the vast majority of people have a very i guess mediated relationship with so uh people who are not directly involved in government or in scientific research or you know think things along those lines um typically will only learn things about them through you know primarily like the media however however broadly one wants to define that so in the past that was newspapers and and your you know tv and radio news broadcasts uh, obviously the landscape's changed quite a bit since then so now that also means facebook and twitter and various alternative media sources right so what we want to look at is what, well, in a lot of senses, like what does that mean? So if, if we look at like science, there are, there, there are old hacky stand-up comedian jokes about uh, eggs. Like, are they good for you or not? The, right. the, the consensus on that seems to change over and over again. Um, and the reality is that, um, you know, when people get information about things like that, they're getting it from, you know, someone on the news reporting something that, you know, probably came out recently that they may or may not have read themselves. They're just kind of filtering information through, you know, by the time it gets to you, it's third, fourth, fifth hand information. And that that means that you're not getting the context that makes it meaningful 
Mm. And you especially see this play out when people talk about climate change. Um, like a lot of the, um, a lot of arguments that people make against just the existence of climate change are due to, um, you know, just not understanding what any of the science behind it actually is. You know, if they can latch on to a single piece of evidence that seemingly discredits it, then that is good enough for them, mm. which is an additional arm on this on this hydra that makes it, uh, you know, particularly uh, insidious. And uh, hydras have heads, not arms, but let's move on. <laughs> so, um... So yeah, that that's that's kind of the 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 broad um the broad strokes of of what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. All right. That should be uh, interesting. <laughs> I uh Yeah, I've been uh I'm definitely looking forward to a couple of things, but it's definitely a contentious issue. <laughs> yeah. So, can we trust science? No. Okay, why is that? Um we could trust, I think, science in that, like, in in different ways. But I think when it comes to distilling it in the news, that's where it's problematic. Yeah, and and there's also I I was I was kind of hoping you'd get into this, but um, there there have definitely been, you know, science has science doesn't have entirely clean hands in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Yes, uh, like there are, um, you know, there there was a big push in the kind of scientific community to uh justify slavery um and the the oppression of like african peoples uh by you know supposedly proving that they were that they were less intelligent that they were not capable of of achieving civilization things like that um the psychiatric profession uh for a long time pushed ideas about like the psychology of black people right. that again you know um like black people are diagnosed as schizophrenic at much higher rates mm-hmm. and i mean i i don't i don't read the psychiatric journals it's possible that there is some something about um you know like the like genetically in black people that they they le- legitimately are more prone to schizophrenia but more likely it's that that was an excuse to like lock black people away in asylums mm-hmm. uh there was i mentioned this on a previous episode there was there was some uh, scientific paper that uh set out to explain just why it was that black people wanted to escape slavery right like there must be some kind of explanation for no, this just keep running away <laughs> yeah oh my god so all of that exists uh there have also been you check out Tariq nasheed bro <laughs> Tariq nasheed yeah okay i'll uh i'll yeah. write hidden, that down somewhere hidden colors hidden colors okay Isn't it? yeah i mean there there are a lot of books i i should read like uh stamp from the beginning and mm. um yeah Anyway, okay. right. that Ibram X candy. Okay. Hey, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, just to kind of you know jump in a little bit. Like it's people, I think don't. Uh, I think we all don't uh, appreciate the power of that kind of credibility when it comes to those kind of sciences, especially back in those days. Um, yeah, they 
they used to justify, you know, I, I think there were some studies that came out talking about like, you know, black people have restorative energies. If you put your skin on their skin, then like, you know, you'll heal you. So like they used to use black people as like Ottomans and put their feet, you know, rest their feet on their backs and stuff. And like, that was supposed to be like a healing thing. And I, I hadn't heard that, but nothing could be less surprising. It's wild. It's yeah. wild. There's some wild theories that were justified because like, you know, they use science to dehumanize people. Yeah. And that, that has been, I, I would argue that that has definitely been improving in the ensuing decades. You know, there, there are things like peer review, peer review now. and That's questionable, sadly. Well, it is, yes. Sadly, it's very questionable now. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it is, it is a mechanism, mechanism for vetting for sure. information. Um, it's obviously not perfect because nothing is perfect. Yeah. And there, there are probably things that could be done to... Uh, strengthen and improve existing peer review uh mechanisms yeah. or systems whatever I think it's uh, very, it's i'm not wording. wording good right now but um, <laughs> i'm not wording good <laughs> so yeah there there have been improvements to how the scientific community operates um but you know obviously it's 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 an imperfect system um, and there have also been a lot of, uh, the word I want to use is attempts, but these attempts were often very successful to compromise science. Um, as, as I'm sure, you know, the, the tobacco industry for a long time put out just any information they possibly could that would, uh, that would disprove the idea that smoking was bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you've probably heard about, uh, the Exxon company put out a study well, I say put out, they conducted a study in, I want to say the late seventies that, uh, that essentially proved that, uh, greenhouse gases caused, uh, global warming and climate change. And they buried that study. And, and the, the context behind that is that there was a specific, like mining operation that they wanted to do. Um, and that study showed that the effects of that particular operation would have been catastrophic. So they continued destroying the environment in all the ways they were already doing, but buried that information until it came out, you know, decades later after, uh, after, you know, mainstream science had been, shouting about climate change for for many years and it's still you know the the fossil fuel industry and its uh its beneficiaries haven't stopped trying to put out misinformation about what climate change is what causes it what we can do about it Mm. because they it is in their economic interest that we not do that yeah um although there is you know it, it's funny that, like, the Koch brothers didn't... Brother. Well, I mean, at the time. Okay. <laughs> um, didn't get, uh, like, get their fingers into, um, uh, like, solar panels. Mm-mm, right. Because, I mean, that's that seems like a business failure to me, because it, it is another revenue stream in a growing industry. Uh, but, I mean, I guess... Oil is just like probably the most profitable thing anyone can do. Is it's, it's profitable, and they also spent a lot of money. 
in that infrastructure. So it's just, I mean, it's just easy money. Yeah, but at the same time, like investing in um, solar panels or or any other kind of renewable energy, like they would still be making a ton of money on oil. I, I I guess for them the calculation was just that anything that that would allow people to not use oil was the enemy. Yeah. I mean, so I guess and may, maybe I'm just trying to rationalize, not rationalize in the in the sense of justify, but I'm trying to make their motives make more sense than they actually do, or something. I don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I think that's important that we do that, even though that there's a lot of you know cognitive dissonance that uh, can come from that. You're trying to understand why these companies do a lot of fucked up stuff. You know, try to understand why you know. Boeing and Lockheed Martin are okay with making bombs. And it's like, well, we that's what we do. You know, where they make, you know, the ships that drop the bombs rather. And you know, they they're indifferent obviously. And you can apply that to so many different industries. They're they're okay with it. I mean, because the inexorably they're not the ones that are making the killing, I essentially they just provide the tools that can be used that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really a fucked up way to look at it. I know I'm cussing a lot today. I'm a little angry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Right. You got the bleep button, right? <laughs> um, I mean, we'll somewhere. Need it today. I think we'll need Doesn't, it today. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, but, uh, but yeah, I'll, man, I'll consider it. Um, I, I think we should. <laughs> 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 um, but anyways, I, I, I just... And that's what, you know, turns off a lot of people to these companies today, obviously. You know, our generation in particular is, you know, we're full of disdain for these companies that are producing things that harm so many people and, you know, aren't producing exactly a good and they are, and they're forcing themselves on us. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more, um, obviously, with some of the other things that we'll talk about. But um, I don't know. It's, it is disturbing that, we as a society allow these things to operate and they are killing us. They're quite literally killing us. Yeah. There was the, there's uh, no simple way. There's no nice way to put it. And it shouldn't be nice. Like they're literally killing us. Yeah. People are coming up with cancer, getting shot by bullets, drinking water that we can't drink. Our kids are like, I can just, I can go down the whole road, bro. Like it's wild that we tolerate this in our society. It's really wild. <laughs> Well, and I, I think uh, some of it, at least, that there there are a few a few things you can get into. One is that um, you know, obviously, the people that are making money on this on on all of these things have the ability to you know reach people and plant whatever information they want, and it's it's a lot easier for them to put out misinformation than it is for accurate information to be disseminated and they also can you know put their thumb on the scales and um you know discredit um information that makes them look bad in the eyes of the public oh yeah all they gotta do is get some authoritative figures sorry um get some authoritative figure and you know people well there were all those uh all those cigarette ads from like the 30s and 40s about how doctors recommend this particular brand of cigarette right um which is is it, it's the kind of thing that that you look back on and and can't imagine how something like that was ever allowed to happen. I mean, we do it all the time with so many products that we consume, right? Like we look back years later and find out that like 
you know, something like right now was a Zantrac, Zant, Zantac or something like that it causes cancer. And there's like this loss, big lawsuits that are going on. How many doctors are pushing this stuff? How many doctors are pushing oh, this stuff? Wait. Now we have to talk about Oxycontin. Oh, yeah. We're about to oh, let's go. Let's go. Seriously. <laughs> like that, it's that wild. Is, it's wild. Yeah. Purdue, Purdue. is I, like the reason there is an opioid epidemic. I fucking hate them. I do. Bro, go. Let's go. <laughs> they're, they're awful. Yeah, and it and how did how did the situation get to be the way it is? Because they, you know, developed a new uh opioid, which is fine in and of itself. Right. Um, you know, that there Drugs. are uh, what's that? Drugs. <laughs> well, there are like there are definitely benefits to opioids. Yeah. Um, but because they are highly addictive, you know, there are obviously ethical implications for how they're prescribed and you know how often and to whom um so what uh what purdue and the i don't remember their name uh the family the behind Sackler. what's that sackler sackler that's right um you know they uh they put out a a campaign targeting doctors telling them that oxycontin was um i i don't I don't remember if they said it wasn't addictive at all or if that they had just been able to get it to be um, like so unaddictive that they that, that it could be prescribed for anything. And and it wasn't just that they were also just straight up bribing doctors and uh, like giving them free samples. And and as uh, as Robert Evans pointed out that's something that like anti-drug psas tell you that yeah. drug dealers do in real life but drug dealers don't do that the drug companies the drug do. companies do right yeah like like all those dare ads you saw <laughs> turns out they were just warning you about purdue <laughs> oh man i forgot about dare oh man yeah drug we abuse resistance education mm. <laughs> We, Man, we first we grade, first grade, second grade. Officer Rob, I remember you. You came to Bryant <laughs> back 20 years ago, back when I was like eight years old. Or I guess it'd be like almost, yeah, 25 years ago, bro. And yeah, he used to come and talk that stuff. Man, <laughs> I remember that D.A.R.E. program. Anyways. So yeah, that is um, that is a prime example of, 100%, 100%. of science being um, corrupted and kind of weaponized against the public. Yeah. Because if science quote unquote, um, gives its stamp of approval on this drug and doctors who are the, you know, doctors are how most people get information about health. like, yeah, health and medicine. Yeah. Um, al although there's also a lot of marketing to, uh, to get people to ask their doctors for certain drugs that doctors, may not have the like the time to research or you know they may not have access to good information they may only be getting their information from the manufacturers of these drugs absolutely so th th there's there are so they many just know that they're getting money from them and so that they are going to say that one <laughs> yeah and even if they're not being directly paid like there are still there's incentives yeah there are incentives and there's also um you know if your patient is insistent on a certain drug and you don't have immediate access to information about why that's not the right choice you know maybe you just go along with what they're asking for yeah and you know doctors doctors are people they have stressful jobs they they don't have 
unlimited time, just just like the rest of us don't. So, yeah, yeah th- there are there are many links in the chain. There there are many kind of steps that get us to where we are right now. Oh, definitely. And that's and they're not. P- part of the problem with this is that there is there's definitely um, active and intentional dishonesty and corruption but there's also, but it's also aided out, aided along by, um, by people just not having the ability or even just like the will to, to stop it, I guess. Um, well, too much people are making money. Excuse me. Too many people are making money. That, yes, that is definitely the case. That, that really what is what it is because uh, you made mention of it bef- right before um, you got into this, which is that they advertise. That is the crux of this problem. And the advertising comes from either them going and having these lavish uh, retreats with these doctors, and then that's when they start pushing these drugs. I mean, these guys are literally pushing drugs at these retreats. Or you have these pharmaceutical companies or these lobby groups or these big trade groups that are full of these – I mean, it's a, it's a cartel, a cartel of them that pay these lobby groups to uh, either put ads on commercials for our news, quote-unquote news, which is the art, it technically is actually entertainment, but they advertise their medicines in our news. And then, oh, look at that, Zantac. Oh, I'm gonna talk to my doctor about that. And most of these doctors are pushing Zantac. You know what I mean? So, like, and so that's that right there is the crux. And then they exploit the relationship that you have with your doctors. It's some really messed up stuff, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's really messed up. Well, and as as a as a side note on the on the Zantag issue, if that is the the correct one, I don't want to. Pretty certain. I'm okay. like 99 percent certain. I, I don't want to be uh, like slandering Merck or J and J or whoever makes it. Oh, they all make fucked up medicine. So like. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, but um, <laughs> like not 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 Zantag specifically, right. but there have been medicines that. Um, you know, we find out down the road that there are pretty horrific side effects and there's kind of an outrage about that. But occasionally, uh, like the people that use that drug don't care about the side effects because the That's benefits so are, Absolutely. are worth it to them. So th- that is, knock that at all. yeah, yeah, that, that's not, uh, that's not exculpatory for the, uh, for the drug manufacturers necessarily, but that is, that is something to keep in mind yeah. that like there, there is. Um, like even if it does cause cancer, like isn't Zantac an antidepressant or something? Um, I think that was a heartburn medicine. Okay. I might be thinking like Zyrtec or yeah, I don't know. Or Lunesta or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, um, I, I, I can't remember the example. I so yeah, I don't can... take drugs. So like, not like that, but, um, I'm trying to remember, Ugh. but, but there have been things yeah. like, uh, um, like anti- there's antidepressants that make you depressed and <laughs> anticoagulants that make you <laughs> bleed out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not the direction on, I was man. going, but like there are, there are medications for very serious illnesses. It's like Jesus Christ, where, like, uh, everything you're supposed to do, it literally does the opposite. And he's like, gosh, yeah, you and, start listening to them things when you, they have them symptoms and it's like a full screen of symptoms and conditions and possibilities. And you're like, man, anyways, I know yeah. that's a, just a tried and old argument when it comes to that stuff. But, yeah, so all of that exists. <laughs> yeah. And um and the same like we were just talking about science, the same sorts of things happen on the political side with 
potentially like science is complicated and you need pretty advanced degrees to to get into any kind of scientific field Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you've ever read uh scientific journals at all or like articles yeah then you know that they're uh what's that i'm a big fan of them actually oh yeah yeah um it's more like scientific american and all that good stuff no i mean like actual uh well maybe scientific american is more uh more in depth than i give it credit for but like that is that's a a magazine for popular consumption gotcha i mean like legitimate read the articles directly from the the researchers it's not like the white papers uh yeah white papers or um you know just get on jstor or or things like that (laughs) um yeah they are they are not made for the public like they're tough to read yeah exactly so that that is definitely a book was that? It's like reading a math book for entertainment. Except you you need to have more prior knowledge right. than than you would to like read a math textbook or something like that. Yeah. Unless it's like agree. advanced calculus or, or something. Um so that that is definitely a an additional barrier on the public understanding science because science is just fundamentally complex. Right. And the same is less true it's it's definitely not not true but it's less true for politics um like as as we've as we just keep getting reminded these days anyone can get into politics Mm -hmm. but the complication is in you know understanding how politics influences the world around us and what what is actually happening essentially yeah so uh, I'm not saying politics are totally uncomplicated. They're most certainly not. And they literally have political science. Yeah. Yeah. People say that's a joke degree, but I'm not going to knock it. Well, I mean, if if you want to get into politics, it's probably pretty it's probably useful. useful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't knock it. Uh, yeah. I I just hear that a lot from like some of my more advanced degree friends. And they just like, oh, you want to get a poli sci degree or, you know, some liberal arts thing. It's like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, shut up. I- <laughs> right. uh, um, I, you're right. There's more to pol- politics than you think. And that's why that's probably also why some, a lot of fucked up stuff. <laughs> Not everybody belongs in politics just because you were successful in certain industries. Just because you made a lot of money in industries doesn't mean that you are going to be a good politician. Nor does does a person that is good with politics mean that they will be good in politics either. Like that's also true. (laughs) Yeah, and and there is um the problem with both politics and science when it comes to the public is that there is I think there is a a general desire for things to be simple that you know afflicts different people to varying degrees, but um. I would say uh, politics is more easily it, it's more likely that someone will think, oh, I can understand politics than that. Like, oh, I can understand like geology or, mm-hmm. you know, or like chemistry or, you know, a- a- any yeah, know like mean. scientific discipline. Yeah, they, um, they put it on. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say, they put it on CNN and all these, you know entertainment shows and that's what people start thinking that they can do it because they think that's what politics is like that's not politics politics isn't about you yelling across at somebody and like talking about the world issues like what you and i are doing isn't politics we're having a discussion 
Yeah. Politics is very different. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of machinations and relationships and levers that need to be pulled in order to make something happen. And sometimes the simplest things are extremely complicated. And this just me, my personal experience, like talking to people downtown and talking to friends around town and stuff like that. And look, it takes a lot to make a a ship steer a different direction. Yeah. A lot. It's just messy. And you conducting yourself in the way that you see on TV, on CNN, and all that stuff is not the way to get it done. Let me tell you, no one is going to move for you. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, we, we think that it's easy because you can communicate that way and that you can, you know, oh, okay, you won the argument that day and that's how politics, you know, you're going to win in politics. No, that's not how it works. So, um, and maybe it's good. And they try to portray science, I feel like, that way as well. Um in the news you know they put out like little fluff pieces on pretty complicated issues and it you're missing so much yeah and that and that's um i i feel like there's still more of a remove where science is concerned Mm -hmm. that you know politics like you were saying is expressed in a way that is uh kind of easily digestible and they they do try to do that with science but I think that um, I don't think the average person kind of relates to science in this like pop science in the same way that they do for politics, although that's probably completely wrong. As I say, I think we yeah, I feel like we turned the corner on that. Maybe it's just because of the times you got people like Elon Musk and Tyson, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson and, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy, obviously that they kind of do drive politics. They have a significant influence on where where people understand science and they also make it digestible particularly like neil degrasse tyson i think he does an excellent job excellent job in making it fun and yeah. gives you good information yeah and that's he's he's, and, a, rare, and th- he's a rare instance <laughs> and i think there's a there's a debate to be had about like what truly is the value of making science fun in the sense that mm. Um, like science. Is that fun or digestible? I think I used either. I guess. Well, you you did say fun, but but digestible also. Um, is that that you know there is? Can you make science digestible without stripping it of context and without kind of diluting what the um. Like the the uh, diluting the science out of it, I guess. Um, I and I feel like we debated about this last week. Um, I think that's the important thing that we probably need to be doing in our society because we don't do a very good job with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, also our our school system is just hot garbage. It's, so yeah, um, it's, it's unfortunate. It's a joke, <laughs> and it's getting worse because of you know people are learning remotely. It's scary. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nervous laugh. I'm very concerned, actually. Yeah, With that how far behind we're all falling. Yes, and that's uh, that's politics. Yeah, it is actually. So w- what we've what we've kind of danced around, you yeah. know, we we've hit on a lot of different things mm-hmm. that you know there there are credibil credib there are uh, those issues. <laughs> What's that? Those issues. Yes, there are credibility issues in the scientific community, and then. Uh, well, and 
<laughs> I don't think I need to say that there are credibility issues with politicians. Um, uh. But so. And I mean, we, we can kind of talk about politics as a science in a similar way oh, in definitely. that in that there is a. Uh, so there's let, definitely science to it. Yeah. So, so, yeah, let's just for yeah. now mix all that okay. together. Mm-hmm. So politics and science or the, you know, science and the politics of science um, or in the science of politics. I need a nap. Um, (laughs) are, you know, there are issues with credibility and trustworthiness in the people who really know all that stuff and do the research and, um, you know, kind of learn how everything works. And then before any of that gets to us, it goes through, you know, CNN, Fox News, Facebook, Twitter, and those all have their own credibility issues. Yeah, you start I mean, digging into those. That's when it gets really scary because you have like editors and the editors have complete say on how the stories are crafted, you know. Well, and also, um, do they have someone on staff who actually knows the issues well enough to speak authoritatively about them and are and if they do? How effective are they at communicating the the complexity of the issue to the anchors who are delivering the stories? Mm-hmm. You know, that's I'm I'm sure there are, you know, some outlets are better than others at that, but yeah. but you're you're losing a little in translation at every step in this process. And then by the time it gets to the public, do, does the the individual, you know, John Q public that hears the story Sanjay. What's that? Was it Sanjay Gupta or I was gonna say like you know, oh, never mind, never mind. Oh, Sorry. like a- as someone in the media who yeah. who talks about um or, or you know Doctor Oz. Doctor Oz, yeah. <clears throat> um. So once <laughs> one once you know any kernel of information has passed through all of these different hands and gets to the public, then you have to contend with what. You know, what knowledge do they have? What kind of attention span do they have? What biases do they have? How are they receiving the information? So what is the likelihood that any given person is receiving this information accurately and digesting it accurately? You know, that there are, you know, we've been seeing a lot of, well, let, let, let me take a step back. So all of the stuff that we just talked about exists, mm. that those are the conditions on the ground. Um, and partly as a result of that, you know, we, we, we are in a very kind of low trust environment in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is an important distinction to be made um, about what is and is not skepticism. Like skepticism is a healthy intellectual exercise where you, you know, examine information and um, and kind of evaluate its its accuracy and truthfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean what a lot of people have kind of turned it into, you know, more in more recent years where. Um, you just reject any information that comes from, you know, certain certain outlets, certain actors, 
certain, you know, people saying it and just kind of believe the opposite. Yeah. And that's that's something that we're seeing a lot of like, yes, there definitely are reasons not to trust, you know, you even even as as kind of low in the chain as your uh, GP, like your physician. Mm. There are reasons to be skeptical of what they're saying. There are reasons to be skeptical of what you hear on, you know, the nightly news, uh, certainly on like Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. There, there are, there is absolutely valid cause for skepticism, but what we're seeing is a, you know, an open armed embrace of anything that's different from what they're telling you. So I, I guess I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and, uh, <clears throat> are, can doctors look at the same information then and come to different conclusions? Yes. All right. So why can't that deference be given in general? Two doctors can come to separate conclusions, but we're not allowed to do that. Well, I mean, some speaking so abstractly, I don't know if we can say anything meaningful Well, be, because we like about, we can talk about a specific issue then with like the vaccines, which I know we're going to get to. Okay. Cause that's obviously something that is in front of everybody's eyes right now. Yes. And that is, you have people that have two different opinions, two people that were certified by, you know, the ADA or not the ADA, but the, um, I can't remember what the certifying body is for doctors, but AMA, AMA, thank you. American medical association. Ask me anything. (laughs) That part. (laughs) Um, people that are certified by these things and they come to different conclusions. How's, and we have that with lawyers as well. Lawyers can look at the law and literally come with two different things. Like why can that not be given with science? Well, I mean that, that is, you are talking about science in that, um, like as far as, uh, like board certified doctors and whatnot, like that, that is science. Mm -hmm. Um, but so vaccines in particular, like, why is there a controversy about vaccines? Because some people don't want to take it. That's uh, why it's a controversy. Okay, why? Why don't they want to take it? Because we don't know what's in it. Okay. Um, now, are you talking specifically about the COVID vaccine? Um, this is the one that's in front of everybody right now, but this has been an issue in general with vaccines. Okay, so uh, do you know what thimerosal is? Yeah, it's a mer- uh, mercury-containing... S- is it, it's mercury related, isn't it? I I, I believe it's a mercury related uh, chemical that's also put in vaccines, uh, but it's like point zero zero one percent or something like that. But it's highly cancerous. Um, I don't I don't think that's either accurate or the issue. Look it up. But look at it right now. Okay. Um. <laughs> so so while I'm doing that, mm-hmm. um, there was one study that was published in like the early '90s that um linked the marisol to um autism mm-hmm. and that that is where the whole um like anti-vax as a movement started like that yeah. as far back as um it. it's in like 20 it's like two oh i mean yeah instances in the 70s and 80s stuff like that but definitely cranked up in like the early, yeah. late 2000s yeah and and i will say that that's not um 
that's not the genesis of like vaccine suspicion. Sure. Uh, as far back as um, you can go back to like not Jonas Salk, uh, who th- there was some like farmer who uh, created a vaccine for smallpox by like draining pus from a cow who had cowpox and using like this was pre syringes. So I'm not sure what method he used to inject that into people, but, uh, (laughs) but it, it did actually inoculate them successfully against smallpox Mm -hmm. and he became a pariah in his community. And people were just freaking out about that because like there is a gut level, uh, fear and suspicion that, that some people have about vaccines, just period. Yeah. So like the, the Thimerosal study wasn't where anti-vaxxing first originated, but it's when it, it kind of coalesced into the movement that it is. And that study was, uh, fairly quickly, uh, refuted and the journal that printed it retracted it. Uh, but you know, that, like the damage had been done. Like you, you can't, um, you can't unring that bell. Mm. You know, the, the idea had already gained, you know, a mass consciousness that, you know, <laughs> if I may be somewhat ironic in this, in this, uh, term inoculated people against any counter evidence that once people had made in their minds the connection that vaccines cause autism, despite there being no evidence for it, like no amount of in the same way that like you can't, uh, you can't present any evidence to a flat earther that would convince them that the world is round. That's not fair to cast them as a flat earther though. What's that? That's not fair to cast them as a flat earther. It's that's not fair at all. I got to push back, bro. Like, because people have legitimate concerns. Flat earthers, I feel like, are trolls. But when it comes to vaccines... Well, there there are, like, is every concern about vaccines legitimate? Yes. Why? Because it's something that's going in your body, you don't know what it is. Yes. Yes, that is a legitimate concern. I mean, that... (laughs) (laughs) Is is the belief that vaccines cause autism legitimate? If you want to speak on autism, we don't know, conclusively. But there is strong evidence that proves that to be true. There's nothing conclusive because the scientific the scientific community hasn't agreed on that. So that is science. Now, when you want to talk about the other stuff, why? Well, first of all, like why are they putting mercury and injecting that into you when it's been shown that that is a highly cancerous substance? It's not cancerous. It, it mercury mercury. Uh, mercury isn't cancerous. It um. It messes with like your brain chemistry. Um, uh, it causes it causes like severe mental problems. Oh, there we go. So it sounds like autism then. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. You know, no, I mean like like, <laughs> uh, like the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Uh, the reason he was insane is because Hatters, um, milliners, they're they're called, um, used mercury in in making hats, and the fumes just drove them crazy. So that's where that idea originated. But and then like, people used to play with them when they were kids and stuff like that. Oh, God, yeah. Like, yeah. like we used to just not give a fuck about anything. Yeah, I didn't do that. Like, here, here's your, like, yeah. home radium makeup kit. Oh God. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, but it was, it, Thimerosal was being used as a preservative and at extremely low concentrations. 
and that was good for you? You're supposed to keep that in your body, preservatives like that? Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> look, that's why people have concerns because we're literally injecting something that's unnatural into our bodies. We don't, and we don't know what that is. We, at the end of the day, we don't know what is in those vials. So we, we just don't, we, ha- we're literally trusting. We're literally trusting. And that same trust was used when it came to like the syphilis studies. It came like Tuskegee. Yes. The Tuskegee. They're injecting people with shit that you don't know what it is. Well, they, now, they, they, they didn't give the Tuskegee Airmen syphilis. They already had it. They just uh, refused to treat them for it. Okay. They, they were studying the effects of just letting them die of syphilis. Well, then we have other issues where, like, I mean, there's this book, Medical Apartheid, where they, um, I don't know if you ever heard of it or read it, but... It, um, I think you've mentioned it before. Yeah, I think we talked about it a few times, but, like, they, there's plenty of cases outlined where these medical institutions use vaccines or chemicals or whatever, and they release it into the population and they do a lot of fucked up stuff. And it's supposed to be like a little experiment. Same thing with eugenics. We start getting into that conversation. Like, yes, look, you talk about vaccines. You're going to talk about eugenics because it's eugenics has a really bad connotation when it is a, in actuality, it's a study (laughs) and that study is used to justify some of the shit that they do, which is injecting people with stuff and looking to see how they react. People don't know if they're getting that's, a flu. That's not what eugenics is. Well, eugenics is the study of uh, of uh, uh, genetics, obviously, and trying to make a racially superior race through different methodologies, through either breeding or chemicals or whatever, right? I mean, primarily breeding. Okay. Yeah, e- eugenics was not really a scientific study it was it was a way of weaponizing science against people that is a scientific study um no genetics <laughs> is a scientific study and so you're telling me that there isn't a science to the way that these people approached trying to make a superior race um they tried well i mean there are it things like uh breeding not necessarily breeding out like altering our dna to get rid of like hereditary illnesses, things like that. Um, that is, I mean, I wouldn't call that eugenics. Why? Because when you're manipulating the genes, what's that? When you're manipulating genes, I want to understand why that's not eugenics. Um, I, I may have to get back to you on that. Okay. It, it is, it is a, a fine distinction. Um, because, there, there is a difference between, um, I don't know. So, so, so for the moment, I'll grant your argument. Okay. Um, and now we have what is these new vaccines that are out, these mRNA vaccines, and they're supposed to manipulate your DNA. Fundamentally, we don't know what those things are going to do. How long these effects are supposed to happen? What? Well, hold on a oh. second. The, and I, I may be off base on this, but I thought. Like mRNA is how they were produced, not how they work. Like they they are fundamentally no different in their execution than, you know, previous like live vaccines. Uh, They just they were developed through an mRNA procedure. And they use it. They those what comes from the mRNA is a messenger. It's a messenger uh, DNA. 
and it's supposed to attach to your DNA and it's supposed to replicate the code that's in there. And that's supposed to get rid of whatever disease that you have. That's how these things work. Now, if I don't, I don't know what else to say when you, you don't know if that is the only thing that they're manipulating or changing. Now you're putting it. That's what they're telling us is that these things are supposed to do whatever. And we're supposed to take, we're supposed to take their word for it when there are studies of placebo effects that they, I, I'm sure you've heard of that, where the placebo effect, they give somebody something and somebody just magically goes away, their disease magically goes away when they had a placebo. How does that work? Versus someone that takes a, that has a similar symptoms and it's one of the vaccines that they're trying to use to try to see if they can get rid of it that disease and that person doesn't know and it may work or maybe they have better results there are what at least three major uh vaccines that are in this country why are there different ones they're making it and they're all different one you need two shots one you may need one what are these things doing when they're attacking the same disease what's happening we don't know we don't know what's happening in our bodies with these things. There isn't enough conclusive studies. So so do you think the fact that there are three different vaccines is suspicious in and well, of I mean, itself? Well, I mean, that's just in this country. Like, well, I, I know, okay. but like, I, I, I think is, is that the argument you're making? For suspicion? Uh, that The fact that there are three, is that reason for suspicion, do you think? I mean, it's one of many. Okay. My concern is that you don't know what these things do. There isn't enough evidence. And now we are literally shuttering our economy, shutting everything down to make sure to, to force this thing on the people. That's literally what's happening. We don't know what this stuff does. Is that okay? Well, I mean, <laughs> how does medicine work, period? Like, how much do you know about how any medication works? Uh, they're supposed to do studies, and usually those studies last a couple years. Okay. That has not happened with this. Well, and now they are unleashing it and flooding our country with it and demanding that we take it. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what else to say with that, bro. Well, I mean, we are talking about a, you know, a new disease. It's that, not new. Um, well, COVID-19 was. Yeah. Um, and we're still dealing with COVID-19 in, uh, you know, whatever year this is. So, you know, that's we didn't have time to um to do years of studies because it was was and is actively killing fairly substantial numbers of people and there there were like mitigation steps that we took far too late yes but like there are things that we can do to slow it down mm -hmm. but the problem is e even with the like the vaccines that we have now mm -hmm. are pretty effective but we're not vaccinating enough people, so we're not getting to herd immunity, which means that the the virus has more chances to mutate into new things that we don't know how to how to address yet. Mm. Like there there are legitimate reasons why there is such a push for vaccines because we have to we had to do something basically. And all right, so I mean we got other issues in this country. Should we approach it the same way when it comes to these these crises or these emergencies? We have a lot of accidents on the road. We do. 
So should we just start unleashing a whole bunch of untested or very little tested autonomous vehicles so we've, that people don't drive? We've had cars for about 100 years, and we have many laws. We've done many studies. Like, all of these things already existed, and car accidents— You're not my question, bro. Are you going to say that because now we're just going to decide too many people are dying, we need to put autonomous vehicles on the road, get in them, and you're not allowed to drive? That that is that is what is happening. That is not anywhere that is close what is happening. to what's happening. That is what's happened. People have stopped going to work. People are scared to interact. People are scared to go anywhere because, because of a virus that we didn't know about two years ago. Now it's it's a different iteration. We've had coronavirus since the '60s, so that argument needs to go. No, we've, we we've had coronaviruses. We haven't had this one. Like not SARS, this iteration. That's what I'm saying. SARS, but we've had plenty MERS, of other iterations. But also, one one thing to to keep in mind where like the U.S. is concerned <laughs> is that uh, like East Asia has dealt with you know coronaviruses in the past, mm-hmm. and they have experience dealing with them, mm-hmm. and that's why you know China, Korea, Japan, they were a lot more effective in. Um, you know, slowing down the growth and keep a mask. They didn't have a mass vaccination campaign. They didn't force everybody to shut down because they were a lot more effective in controlling it through other means. How? By, you know, by, um, well, first off the people over there are more accustomed to wearing masks just generally. Like it wasn't some massive, you know, bald Eagle, um, slaughter to get people to that that's a horrible analogy but like there wasn't an outcry about the very basic idea of doing anything to stop the spread of coronavirus like there was in america i'm sure there was i'm sure there was not everybody like I, I think that's dangerous to assume that, you know, certain cultures are more submissive than others. I'm not assuming they're more submissive. I'm saying that they have experience dealing with these things. They know what it takes. Like, I, I'm not making a cultural argument by saying that Japan is really good at, like, cleaning up after tsunamis. Mm. They've done it a lot. It's not anything about them being ethnically Japanese or belonging to Japanese culture. It's something that they as a nation have dealt with, they know how to do it very well. Yeah, like had, that's, that's not so, a, and we've also had these diseases though. We've also had the same ones that they've had. We, it, we did not get hit by like SARS, we had SARS here. near, yes. n- not nearly to the extent. It wasn't reported that way. By we whom? Definitely by the nose. We definitely had it here. We definitely had it here. We've had SARS, we've had swan or it was, was swine disease and all these other diseases. Yeah, it was reported in the news. This is different, the way that this new that this disease was reported. Much different. And what I'm saying is that this isn't this is a this sure, this is a novel strain. But it's no different it's it's we've had coronaviruses. We've had colds. People we We've had this. We've dealt with this. The difference is what I'm saying when I use that car analogy is that <clears throat> you have different iterations of these cars, right? Every year, cars get faster. They change the size. They look different. There is still the fact that we have regular people driving on this road. 
we didn't shut everybody down because there are a whole bunch, a whole bunch of accidents on the road. So what happens when hold it comes... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Now, if we stop everybody from driving and have them start using autonomous vehicles and they can't, they cannot move about this earth until they are in an autonomous vehicle, do you see how unreasonable that is? Especially when it's untested. As dangerous as autonomous vehicles are right now, you cannot have people using that product. And it's no different than these vaccines. We have a whole bunch of people using a product that has not been tested or used, and we're forcing a whole bunch of people to use it. That is just weird. It's fucking weird. So, <laughs> so imagine a car comes out that is a hundred times deadlier than other cars, that people are dying in droves. What do we do? If, if people are driving in droves, if everybody was driving that, then yes. But that's not the case. Then then what? Then people will stop driving it. <laughs> but you can't use that with, example with, because... So with, with no, with no intervention? If everybody had those vehicles, if everybody had those vehicles, and you're equating that to human bodies, everybody would have to have those vehicles. That's what you're saying. But, but no, that's I'm highlighting why that analogy doesn't work at all. Because, again, like we're talking about... like If suddenly, for no reason that we could... Well... There are reasons, but um, like for no reason that uh, that we could predict. People's brakes started failing at much higher numbers. Mm -hmm. That is a closer analogy to what you're talking about. Like, how would we solve that problem? Do we stop everybody from driving? Because that's what's happening. Um, well, no, it's not. Like we Yes, we stopped everybody from, from doing commerce, except for, quote-unquote, essential services. And that was, you know, there, there have been phases. Because, and the thing is, if we had done that earlier, we would have been in a much better position than we are. There's no evidence of that. There's, there, there's no evidence shown anywhere that that would have been the case. There is all the evidence in the world. There is the evidence of other countries that did early shutdowns and, you know, and kept their death tolls low and slowed the spread of the the transmission of the disease. And that is questionable. So you have to also look at the sources that they're coming from. And that's where it starts getting really murky, bro. So we start talking about the stats from China. Very difficult to trust those stats. When you get stats from the World World Health Organization, that is literally being funded by the United States and by China, and now predominantly by China, how can you trust what's coming out of there? They so, have an incentive to make sure that their numbers are low. There's an well, absolute incentive. So if, uh, if the U.S. and China are funding WHO, then... Well, the U.S. wasn't anymore. Like, well, they, they haven't been for the last like, year or two. Okay. Um, well, and and... What we're talking about now is getting into kind of the broader point of, of the Politics. whole episode mm-hmm. is that um, so obviously there are reasons not to to take any of this information, at least completely at face value. But what is the alternative? You have your choice of either being able to take the vaccine or not. I don't mean the vaccine. Okay. I mean, just information. You- so that there is a there is. Um, like, like we've said, there, there's very little trust for 
just institutions generally. And there are certainly valid, legitimate reasons for there to be, you know, not a whole, not a whole lot of trust, certainly not blind trust. But what what is the alternative? Like, what information can we trust? How do we know that we can trust information at all? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I don't know if that was a rhetorical one, but um, I know that's something that Obama's definitely he he mentioned before he left office. He was trying to create like a, a truth commission, which was you know I hate to use it, uh, but it's definitely Orwellian in that there needs to be some kind of arbiter in what is true and what isn't. Um, I don't. Know. We might need something like that. I don't know. I I don't I don't think it's Orwellian. I think. You know, it, it can have Orwellian implications, but like that, the, and that's that's something that that the the hundred years of Trump just really drilled into us over and over is that he was he declared war on the basic idea of truth, and he he didn't like he didn't create that he didn't come out of nowhere, like there was already an environment that that was ripe for him to you know, insert himself into, um, but, but that was so central to everything he did is, is that, you know, the, you can't trust anything except me. Yeah. That part, the last part, I definitely don't, uh, obviously agree with, but, uh, no, well, I, I agree with you on that. He said that, but <laughs> that's the way he operated. But what I mean is that like, um, I think it's also very important to not trust everything. Well, but uh, again, like skepticism is one thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's a difference between being skeptical and not trusting anything. Yeah. You should definitely question a lot because there are a lot of people that don't have your, they don't have your uh, interest at heart. They, there's one interest and that is money. Now. And so like you trust, you're trusting that you're trusting goodwill you're trusting that these people are virtuous and that they have your that they have your interests at heart and that's just not the case ever <laughs> there's always a a a an ulterior ulterior motive and if it happens to coincide with your goals or your mission then cool but that's kind of like life i think in general that's where we all have to kind of get along and that's where politics come in and all that stuff. So, so how do we get to that point, though? Like, <clears throat> what, what? I guess what is what is the process of belief? Uh, uh, unnecessary, uh, bad well, religion think, reference uh, there, oh, but right. I, I think the process of belief uh, is has always been what the majority thinks. So, how how do you determine for yourself? What is true? Whom can you trust? We've never had that. And so I don't know. That's because we've never had that. I, and I can't think of anywhere in time where everything that was said was true. Oh, obviously that's never been the case, but, but that's not, that's not what I'm asking is, um, <clears throat> You know, again, just just on a on a kind of basic level, how does one decide what is and isn't true? You have to take in 
information that you agree with and information that you don't. I think that's a good step in the right direction. And then you can, I don't know. But, I, but what, what gives, what gives one more weight than the other? That's a good question. And here we're getting like strict philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's something that which philosophers don't agree on. Yeah, so I was gonna, which I love, I love philosophy. You know, you, you look at, uh, at Descartes, like yeah. the only thing I know for sure is that I exist. Right. Um, so, but, but can yeah. we operate like that? No. So, so again, what is, if we can't trust the experts, if we can't trust politicians, if we can't trust the media, how do we trust anything? Be- because we can't, we can't operate without any trust. Yeah. Like we are, we are living in a society. So there has to be trust in someone and in not someone necessarily, but like we have to have trust in at least some things. And how do we, how do we decide what we can and can't trust? Uh, I, I, again, I, I think I have to really do default to that statement I made earlier, which is that it would have to be what the majority agrees on. That's always how we've led our society. I, even before, you know, democracies and all that other stuff, the majority does rule. And I don't know. Whoever has the I don't whoever has more information at the end of the day, I I I think is the one that's going to win the argument. But that's not always the truth. Well and uh, yeah, that, who who wins the argument isn't what I was asking. It's the majority. Like it I think it really is that simple. So, because so, the, the so more you can trust agree, the majority? That's how truth is defined. You look at religion, it's the same thing. The majorities are going to overrule the people that don't. If you look at politics, the majority are going to overrule those that don't. You, that doesn't necessarily mean that just because these institutions have been able to chart a different direction means that it's right. That is just the truth. That in the majority, I don't, I don't know how else to put it, bro. Like uh-huh. the majority does drive how things go like it just it really is that simple well and and i i know i'm asking an unanswerable question but like what how do you evaluate what the majority thinks like how do you determine whether they're right or not i know man i know what you're getting at like because what we're advocating for is that somebody has to just take just what we what i made reference to earlier with uh the books there are companies that are participating in, in digital incursions. And what I mean by that is that they are pushing what their belief is. And that is just, and then they'll face the consequences. And so we have companies like Google that control a mass swath of information. And if that is the way that people understand the world around them, that is the way that this shit's going to go. That is just as simple as it is. People, and so if the majority think that way, what do you think is going to happen? That's how this works, bro. <laughs> I, I, you are controlling people's, you are, you are, this is a battle for people's minds. Regardless of what is true or what isn't. <clears throat> and so if it, if that's what it takes for people to believe what you want them to believe, 
that's the way that this shit's going to go. There is no, uh, I think as we were finding out because of, of this proliferation of information, it's like a dam broke back in like 20, you know, when Corona happened, a dam of information broke and there's this flood and we're having to try to figure out what we're trying to figure out things on both sides. Like if there are two sides, but we're trying to, we're, we're wading through a whole bunch of information and we're finding out that our understanding of our reality isn't necessarily the truth. So the things that we think are true weren't true. So like we had to also reevaluate those things. There are things that need to be reevaluated and discussed. Like there's just things that make sense. There are things that do that just do make sense. And if the majority agree with that, that's just the way it goes. I don't know how else to word this. That's how our society has always worked. That's how it's going to work. Whoever controls the information and we're looking for that information, that is the way it's going to go. <laughs> that's just how it's always been. That is, unless, I, I, humans don't operate any other way. The, the people that program these things, it's the same thing. They have biases, and they're using as the best information that they have. Doesn't mean that they're right, but they have to program it. <laughs> it has to be programmed. And then maybe it'll get revisited. I don't know what to say. I know that was a lot of talking in circles, but, like, there's no, there isn't a, there, I, we're finding out that there isn't, in uh, an absolute truth to a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Do you have anything else to put on that? Like, I, I. Um. Well, and I mean, the the. I don't know. There are a few different ways I could go with it. Like, obviously, g dipping back into philosophy. You know, the the idea of absolute truth is uh debatable um yeah. but like e even getting away from that kind of cartesian um what is that Ontol ontology mm -hmm. um even stepping away from that um it is possible to evaluate like specific things as as like true or false mm -hmm. you know assuming you know any number of things so what like the the problem is not necessarily that we are that there has been a breakdown in what society considers true it's it's that you know you you can look at any number of kind of social movements that have been going on in the wake of all that and there are, you know, financial incentives behind, you know, further disillusioning people. Like that's there there's a large part of alternative media feeds on that on the suspicion of mainstream media in order to tell them things that are even more untrue. Mm -hmm. So, like, as a society, how do we... I guess what's the process of rebuilding? Like, what... How do we establish trust in anything? And obviously, you know, we shouldn't... Even if we can... Even if... Let, let's say that... Um, that tomorrow, Neil deGrasse Tyson was 
was put in power as the arbiter of truth. Mm, I'd have a problem with that. What's that? I said I'd have a little problem with that, but well, uh, that would be kind of nice. But go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm just like that's just an example. You could you yeah, could yeah. put what whatever other other person you want in that seat. Um, yeah, but like e- even even if it's someone that the vast majority of people can trust. Like, obviously, we still we still should exercise skepticism. We shouldn't blindly believe everything that they tell us. But we but we like I said, as a society, we need to have trust in something in some like some institutions, in some people, uh, in some ideas and principles Um that is that is the foundation of any society, basically. Yeah. Um, and you know, in in the the complex world we live in, obviously there are a lot of a lot of uh, you know complications to like what can and can't be trusted and why. So we we've already touched on a lot of the the basic ideas that I I think could could lead us there. Mm-hmm. Is that you know. How do you know if something can be trusted? One, follow the money. Mm-hmm. You know, look at who's saying it and, you know, to to the best of your ability, you know. That's conspiracy theory talk, though. What? <laughs> I was messing with it. I'm being sarcastic. Um, so, you know, obviously where, where someone is getting funded mm. um, is going to make an impact on you know, the extent to which you can trust what they're saying. Also, any kind of, you know, try to discern to the best of your abilities any sort of personal biases a person might have. There are also, like, institutional biases. Like, uh, you know, CNN isn't um, isn't necessarily, like, anti-Bernie Sanders or, you know, whatever other person. Oh, because totally What's that? They totally were, but go ahead. No, 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 that, that's... I didn't finish my sentence. They're not like anti Bernie Sanders necessarily because they're getting funded from, you know, X or Y corporation, but they have an institutional bias against, you know, his ideas. Oh, no, they totally were also biased because of the funding. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just saying, like, even even strip the funding away, they still would not. They still would have had, you know, reason their own reasons for not supporting him. Yeah. So. You know, all of these things, um, you know, obviously tomorrow people aren't going to wake up with a a core of understanding in science and politics and all these other complex issues. Like all that information will have to be mediated for people no matter what. But, you know, there are things that people can do you know, on an individual level that will help get them closer to the truth of things. And obviously, even if even if every single person does all of these things, like people will still get it wrong. People will still have their own biases. People will still just misunderstand issues like there is no perfect solution because we are people. Right. But, you know, there there are. There are ways of improving the situation it is is kind of all I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I definitely don't disagree with that at all. Um, I think definitely it would be a good start uh, with some of these institutions. 
Um, you know, it's it's really just coming down to being able to have a, a sane discussion, kind of like what we're having whenever we have disagreements. Um, and then, you know, letting that battle out in the court of public opinion. I think at the end of the day, um, because the public does have to buy into it. Like, you just do. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and the issue at this point is how, kind of how do you convince the public to buy into something, you know, other than, you know, the you the really them. pernicious ways it's being done. Yeah, you manipulate them. It really is. that. Unfortunately, that's just how this works, and they just have to make it look good. Uh, thanks, Edward Bernays. <laughs> Uh, if y'all don't know who he is, look him up. The I'll, I'll draw, drop that episode in the show notes again. Oh my gosh! Because it'll never stop being relevant. He is, he, him, and Sigmund Freud changed everything. They really did. They changed everything. That really woke my eyes to like what we're looking at. It's really scary sometimes. Right? <laughs> you know, just the blending of truth and all that stuff. You know, but that's definitely something I can rail a lot on. Like. It's some really powerful stuff. Like I, I respect it. And it's probably why you and I, you know, talk about this stuff a lot because it is a very powerful, very powerful medium. Like it is, when you really like objectively sit and just look at, you know, the power that they have. You know, these screens they tell you things and people just start parroting it, like, and or it gets a visceral reaction out of them. Like it's weird. <laughs> and you know it just comes from these little screens these little screens have a lot of power you know I, was it some revolutions they um I, I can't remember the countries off the top of my head but I know some revolutions they actually like either turn the TV off or they would leave the TV on and they would put them out towards the window and play it out so like you know just so like, it was a I think it was an effective protest and like you know you can try to show us a shit we'll literally just not look at it and just put it out the window and there's something to be said about that. People need to stop looking at their screens all the time. But, I mean, how do we get our information without looking at them? So, <laughs> Books, people, books. Get the paper books. Yes, books can be trusted wholeheartedly. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... At least, I can't see it right now. The only thing I can see is that there needs... That the majority does have to buy in to whatever consensus comes of that and maybe that's what we're looking at and it's just an ugly way of doing it um i feel like that's what happens a lot in our uh discussions in society there's uh strong opinions on the minorities on both sides of an opinion make a lot of noise and that's really what kind of tilts things one way or the other and i mean over the over time it's a beautiful thing depending on what happens but um yeah i i think like you mentioned i think the process has definitely been corrupted to a point where we can't even talk like people use certain words and people just have a weird reaction and shut down and i don't know i have some friends personally right now that i i literally can't talk to it's difficult because of this issue like yeah, we can't even talk politics right now. It's really sad, actually. Like, we can't even talk politics. And, you know, it's not the way 
for people, especially humans. You know, human beings to be able to like, you know, communicate. Like we're social creatures. We have to be able to communicate, even if we don't agree with each other. And I don't know, man. I think over time we'll find better ways. And I or we'll like all die. Yeah, <laughs> I think our generations like our generations more open to those kind of discussions and we care a lot less about certain things like race and stuff like that. We care a lot less than previous generations. And that I think trickles down through each generation. They care less and less about race and certain things. So I think they'll be able to communicate differently, but we'll see. We'll see. I just know right now our generation, we're right in the middle of it. We're in the middle of people that aren't letting go. And then people that really don't care. And so, like, you know, we're kind of, like, trying to hold shit together, but we're also like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but you can't just drop it, like, you know? <laughs> and so then we have these debates of, like, what is allowed in our society or not. But anyway, sorry. One on big rant. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm a little concerned. I'm mm-hmm. a little concerned, and I just hope that we can have more conversations like this where at least we can get to the crux of, like, how to discuss things and uh, come to a, a conclusion peacefully and... I don't know. Then I guess the tough part is also building laws on it. But oh, maybe we don't need laws, and we just need like social contracts with each other. But I don't know. I don't know. We're in an interesting time, man. We really are. <laughs> it's kind of cool, kind of scary. Yeah. Well, that that uh, feels like a a good place to wrap up. Yeah. You have anything uh, you'd like to add? I think that's everything, man. Uh, thanks for the combo. It's a good topic you picked. Well, uh, I'm glad we uh, we were able to uh, sink our teeth into it. Yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Yeah.